Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Streamline Podcast. This episode was originally intended to be a workshop hosted at South by Southwest, but for obvious reasons, that didn't go ahead. And this was taken online in the form of a workshop hosted on live streaming on multiple platforms, including YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn Live, Periscope. And if you enjoy listening to this episode and you would also like to watch the video presentation that accompanies this, you can go to workhardplaylisthard.com slash SXSW and you can watch and listen at the same time. I hope you enjoyed this presentation, The Power of Third Party Playlists. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to The Power of Third-Party Playlists, presented by yours truly, Mike Warner. Now, as mentioned, this was meant to be presented right now at South by Southwest, which, as we know, sadly, due to the current situations that are changing by the minute relating to the coronavirus, everyone is staying home and being safe. So I hope you enjoy this version of my presentation live and the replay will be available online after. This is the power of third-party playlists. So a little about myself. I started out as a music lover from a very young age, got into DJing, realized after a few years that there was no opportunities to play gigs outside of my hometown. So I got into music production. Was never the greatest producer, but found some people who were, started collaborating with them, and together we started to create a very good product. Not that I like to refer to music as a product. It's so much more than that. So what we're seeing here is my group, Date Night, which is two friends from Australia, Anders Magnusson and Sharif Demanstia. They're still back in Australia. All of our production is done online. We collaborate in the cloud, which, of course, is very relevant right now, given the current situation in the world. Uh, we collaborate in Ableton Live and we save our session and we do collect all and save and then we sync it to Dropbox so that the next morning, whoever wakes up, whatever time zone they're in, can pick up and keep working. So this footage here is from our debut gig that we did a few years ago at a venue called Prohibition in Brisbane. That's enough about that side of it. What happened from here, these, I want to get straight into some numbers here and then I'm going to break this down for you as well. So Date Night was formed in September 2015. I've done numerous mu music projects before that, collaborating with other people, different aliases. That's a story for another time. To date, pun intended, Date Night have 7 million Spotify streams. Not a big number compared to a pop star, but for an independent group, that's fantastic. And I feel like that's going to resonate with a lot of people here who are watching as well. Some people are yet to get to their first 1 million streams. Some people are yet to get to their first 1,000. But if I can show you how we got some of these streams, hopefully I can help you get to that next level, whatever that next level is for you. So to date, I need to stop saying that. We have 17 Spotify editorial placements. We have achieved 857,000 streams from Spotify editorial playlists. We have achieved 1,519,000 streams from Spotify algorithmic playlists. Now, these are your release radars, Discover Weekly playlists. Then we have achieved 
1,624,000 streams from just the top 100 third-party playlists on Spotify. Now, on Spotify, if you go into Spotify for Artists, it will show you the top 100 of X amount of playlists. In our case, we have 85,600 playlists that have added one of our songs since we started releasing music in September 2015. Some of those playlists may have zero followers. It could be just a user that liked our music and added it to their own playlist. It could be a playlist that has one or two followers, or it could be one of those playlists that has hundreds of thousands of followers. Regardless, we appreciate every single one of them And that is how we got to our total number of 7 million streams on Spotify. So I mentioned that 1.6 million streams came from the top 100 third-party playlists on Spotify. The rest of those streams to make up to the 7 million came from third-party playlists outside of that top 100 that we see in Spotify for artists, as well as artist radio stations in Spotify, where you start a radio station based on an artist. Uh, as well as profile visitors. So if people go directly to that artist's profile, also if people request music from their smart speaker directly, such as Alexa or Siri, I hope you don't have them connected right now and they didn't just go off in your home, as well as video game consoles, so Xbox, PlayStation, where you can connect your Spotify account and have that playing in the background while you're gaming. Now, on the right-hand side here, you'll see some footage of banners that were placed in Times Square. Obviously, Times Square is not quite as busy right now, sadly, but this was late last year. And what's cool about those banners is being independent artists, we didn't get anyone else to supply those to us. We actually paid for those ourselves. We wanted to treat ourselves from the streaming revenue that we've made Uh, We've been very smart with our money, and this was a goal that we always had, was to be on a banner in Times Square. So we figured, what the hey, let's get two extra ones as well, and let's just take over the entire corner there. Uh, So that was definitely a career highlight for us, and I just wanted to put that up and share that with you as well. Now, a little about myself and the journey since date night, when we truly became independent artists. I was finding myself in a position where a number of people were reaching out to me and saying, Mike, how did you get on these playlists? What did you do? What's your process? How do you email people? How do you reach out? All these questions kept coming in. And I started writing these really detailed emails. And it was basically me to one person, step-by-step telling them exactly what to do. And then uh, a good friend of mine, actually, who was just on the screen before, George Goodrich, said to me, Mike, you should write a book. You should put this into a book. Little did I know he had already written a book about the exact same topic, but still was happy to support me and tell me that I should do it and I should put that knowledge out there for anyone that wants to access it. So I did. And as a result, the book Work Hard, Playlist Hard came out. It is available in paperback, hardcover, and digital. And that has really led me to opportunities like this, to be able to speak to a larger audience and hopefully help anyone that is willing to listen to give them the next steps and help them to get to that next level. And I've spoken to anyone from an artist that hasn't even released their first track yet and needs to find a distributor 
all the way to artists at major labels who want to see if there's anything extra that they can do to support their release in addition to the work that the label is doing for them. So I'm here to help anyone that's willing to listen and let's keep going. So I mentioned before date night on the algorithmic playlists was 1.5 million streams. So I wanted to show you what that looks like to give you more of an idea. What we've got here is the top five algorithmic playlists from Spotify. And we can see the number of listeners and streams that they have provided. So number one being Discover Weekly with 1.18 million streams. And you can see here that all of these playlists say 10 songs. So this isn't one song that went into Discover Weekly and got that many streams. This is 10 songs and this is in the lifetime of our project and since Spotify for Artists started delivering this information. So 10 songs, it's safe to say roughly 100,000 streams per song, which is fantastic. One thing that I've noticed in my experience with Discover Weekly is that it's not instant. The first playlist that you would see as far as algorithmic playlists is Release Radar. Discover Weekly can come eight weeks after, uh, six months after. I've even seen songs years after where our music has appeared in Discover Weekly and it gets almost like a second burst, which is fantastic because sometimes there's songs that get missed initially or you release them in the early stages and it gives people a chance to discover them for the first time, hence the name. I always say that music is new to me the first time I hear it. The first time it hits my ears, it's a new song to me. So that's why Discover Weekly is so important in driving these streams. And it's also another opportunity for artists to get songs in their catalogue heard. Radio, as I mentioned before, uh, artist radio on Spotify, also song radio. You can start a radio station based on a song or an artist, or if you have the stations app that Spotify have on your Apple device, you can start a radio station based on a playlist, which is mind blowing. Then we have release radar at your daily mix, which is up to six stations based on your own individual tastes where they feed different music into each of those six mixes. And your top songs. Now, we haven't seen any streams from your top songs 2019 climbing into the top five yet, uh, but obviously people are still going back and visiting their top songs from 2018. Now, I've been talking about the streams on this screen, but we should also focus on the listeners. So what we can see here, if we look at Discover Weekly, is we can see 435,000 different people, individuals, Individual users with their own Spotify login have streamed at least one of our songs on Discover Weekly. And we can see almost actually more than double that amount of streams. So what that could say is that some people are actually listening to the song on their Discover Weekly more than once. So some people, if they like their Discover Weekly, they'll play it again. And also we are seeing streams from different songs within that Discover Weekly delivered. So somebody could listen to Discover Weekly this week, listen to one of our songs. Four weeks later, they go into Discover Weekly. There could be another one of our songs in there, which is two streams, but still only the one unique listener. Now, the next page here is editorial. As mentioned, these are 
editorial playlists that are curated in-house by Spotify. There is no way to pitch to editorial outside of Spotify for artists. Putting that out there right now. Spotify released their editorial submission tool within artists.spotify.com to make it accessible to everyone, to make it fair. If anybody comes to you and says that they can pitch directly to Spotify editorial, you should have alarm bells going off right now because let's put it this way. If I had a friend that worked within Spotify that curated playlists and I was advertising saying, I have a friend at Spotify, I can plug your song to them, give me money, I would probably lose, well, I would definitely lose a friendship, I would lose that connection, and I would probably lose a lot of respect in the industry. So don't go listening to anyone that says that they can pitch directly to editorial. The only people that may be in a position to do that would be a record label or a distributor. But you can always do these pitches yourself in artists.spotify.com and then you know that the pitch has been done and it's been submitted and you're covered. So I'm going to skip past this because we are here to talk about third-party playlists and here we are. So looking at date nights, streams on Spotify and, and monthly listeners, we can see the totals here from third-party playlists. Now, these are anyone that has signed up for a Spotify account as a user. Uh, they've gone to Spotify.com. They've got their own username. We, what we can see here is that some of these are driving some very nice stream numbers. Uh, so if we look at number one here, Indie Mono. They curate a playlist called Summer 2020. Obviously, that year changes every year, and also it changes from summer to winter, etc. But what we can see on the right is the total number of monthly listeners and total number of streams that that playlist has driven for date night. And we can see there that five songs have been added to that playlist at various times to make up that number of monthly listeners and streams. The next one down, Vocal House Pool Party, we can see nine songs have been added to that playlist. Now, that does not mean that nine songs are in that playlist right now, but it does mean that over the lifetime, nine songs have been added to that playlist, removed, etc. And on the right, we see the total number of listeners and the total number of streams delivered from that playlist. The next one. I do have another screen, but I can see that it's blocked part of his name, but it's Christopher Matthias Kronberg Paluden. Christopher, I know we're friends, and if I pronounce your name incorrectly, I do apologize. Uh, but we do have Christopher's full name on another screen coming up shortly. Christopher curates a playlist called Your Deep House Spouse. He previously curated a number of playlists that were really popular with people who would frequent Abercrombie and Fitch stores, and I'll get to his slide shortly. The next one down is Date Night's playlist, Cafe Chill. Now, Date Night, once again, is my project. This playlist we set up when we first got onto Spotify, and we put this playlist together. We keep it to 100 songs. And the curation is very strong to the point where we're not really influenced by outside music. It has to fit. And the reason that we say that is if we start adding music that we're not confident is a good fit or we don't necessarily feel we would enjoy listening to within that playlist, 
then the value of that playlist goes down to other listeners and eventually people will drop off and stop listening to that playlist. So we update this one less frequently, but when we do, we listen to it way more times than you could imagine. We listen to it on shuffle. We listen to it start to finish. But that playlist for us, we actually have a few of our songs in there and we also have some interlude tracks in there from our album that are maybe one roughly one minute long that are nice interludes when we're switching up the styles slightly in that playlist and it just flows so nicely. It almost feels like an album, which is exactly how every playlist should feel. And then down the bottom we have Indie Mono once again. Now jumping into Apple Music because we've done a lot of talking about Spotify so far. Apple Music, this comes from Apple Music for Artists. Now signing up artists.apple.com. And these are the stream counts within Apple Music for Artists. So once again, we're seeing Indie Mono making an appearance here. Two of those playlists from the previous screen are showing there as well. And what we can see is we can see streams by songs and we can also see Shazams, which is cool because when people are playing a playlist in a retail store, at a party, wherever it is, or if people are listening on their radio, anyone that says to their smart device, Siri, what song is this? They will get that delivered by Shazam. So we can see how many people have actually seeked out that song title and asked what that song is. And the good thing about that, you may be wondering what Shazam has to do with playlists. A lot of people within the Shazam app will connect it to their Apple Music and Spotify accounts, which will automatically add any song that they Shazam into a playlist called My Shazammed Songs, which could make up a significant number of playlists. If you see that 6,220 people have Shazammed our song, My Friend, there could be up to that number of playlists out there with that song in there, thanks to Shazam. Now, Apple Music Editorial, I'm not going to touch on right now. For our project personally, we haven't seen a large number of streams yet, so I don't really have anything to show on that. That's nothing personal with Apple. It's just a case of our music obviously hasn't been the right fit with their curators and we haven't managed to get their attention. Uh, but you can see here that third-party playlists, we're doing quite well. Now. I don't just want to show you these without telling you more information about these curators and how I got in touch with them and how any of you can get in touch with them as well, because that's the whole point here. So let me talk about Indie Mono first, who, as we know, are delivering the largest number of streams across Apple Music and Spotify for our project in particular. So Indie Mono was launched in June 2012. What's really cool here is on the right-hand side, what you see is you can actually see the date when a song was added to a playlist. We can see Don't Stop Me Now by Queen was added June 15, 2012. That is actually the date that Indie Mono started. So that's a really nice Easter egg for anyone out there that's been following Indie Mono and wants to know when they started. You can actually see that date in this playlist in Spotify right now and see that the, the date that Indie Mono started was June 15, 2012, and how fitting that the first song they added was Queen, Don't Stop Me Now, arguably one of the happiest songs of all time. Now, a little more about Indie Mono. Their total playlist count across all of their playlists, if you added up the follower count on all of their playlists, 
it adds up to 2.6 million. Now, that is spread over 265 playlists, though. So some playlists have a smaller number. Some playlists have a significantly higher number. Their most popular playlist has 382,000 followers. If you're looking at Indie Mono and you're wanting to look them up right now, IndieMono.com is their website. I'm going to get into submission details in an upcoming slide. The founders of Indie Mono are Carlos Lopez Casani and Dan Fernandez. Little story about Carlos is when he first responded to a submission from Date Night and Adidas. We were so grateful because it was one of the first major non-editorial playlist ads that we received. And I said to Carlos a few months later after staying in contact that if he was ever coming to the United States, where I currently live, uh, that I would fly to wherever he is and I would buy him a beer to say thank you. Uh, A few years ago, I actually did exactly that. I spent 16 hours waiting in an airport for delayed flights to get to South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Couldn't afford a ticket to go into the conference. Could barely afford a good hotel room, but went in there and took Carlos out and we had maybe more than one beer. But that was really important for me because I learned so much from Carlos that night that he mentioned from the curator's point of view, a lot of people don't actually take the time to reach out and say thank you. There's no need to get on a plane and fly over and buy them a beer or anything like that. But a lot of people just don't take the time to simply post on Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, or send an email and just find a way to just say thank you. And if you can't find that curator on social media or their email address, you can still do a public post and include a link to their playlist because what will happen is a lot of curators have. Google Trends, and uh, they have a lot of tracking things like mentions where anytime their playlist link is shared or their curator name, such as Indie Mono, is mentioned, they will go and see that, regardless of if it was posted in a blog or or on a public social media post. So always say thank you, even if it's not directly to the recipient, they may see it one day, and I'm sure they will appreciate it. Now, looking at this, to give you an idea, This is the spread of Indie Mono added songs by record label. So what we can see here is a significant number, of course, are songs that do belong to the major labels. But that being said, under those major labels, they do have smaller independent labels that they also can distribute for, as well as we can see here other labels which actually make up the highest percentage on this. This is a screenshot that's taken from chart metric as well. But what's important to remember here is, yes, the Indie Mono, but not every song they add is independent artists. What makes Indie Mono as popular as they are is that they add great music regardless. So if there is a new song by an established artist signed to a major label that everyone wants to hear and it would be a great fit on their playlist, they will add it but then they will also sprinkle in songs from those independent artists as well. And then what happens is it makes for a really great listening experience for anyone that presses play because they hear a familiar song, a song that they're not familiar with but they really enjoy, and that can lead to more discovery 
and keep people listening to that playlist for longer. I am guilty of listening to playlists and looking for a song that feels familiar. And this is a great way to feed those less familiar songs in amongst other songs to make them feel more familiar. Now in Indie Mono here, once again, this is just a screenshot of the streams from Apple Music. One thing that you need to remember about Apple Music in particular compared to some of the other DSPs such as Spotify is Apple Music is a paid premium service only. There's no free version where you can just log in, start streaming and listen to ads. It is paid only, which means that they also do have a slightly higher payout per stream as well. And IndieMono, I just wanted to share a breakdown of the different genres that they support as well, because they're not just looking at any particular genre here. They, they cover pop, modern rock, indie folk, tropical house, dance pop, rap, and all kinds of genres. So you can see here, this is the spread of genres across their playlists. Obviously, pop and modern rock are covered in the majority of their playlists as well but they do cater to some more niche genres there too. Once again, this screenshot was provided by Chartmetric as well. So Indie Mono, I mentioned I, that I was going to share the submission link here, and here it is. This is actually a screenshot of their submission screen as it looks today. You can go to IndieMono.com slash music submit, as you can see on the screen here. Submissions are free. There's no paying to submit to them. If you like what Indie Mono do and you would like to support them, they do have a Patreon account. And the reason they have this is they need a way to sustain this and keep it running. They have thousands of submissions every week and they're trying to dedicate as much time as they can to this and they wanted to keep it fair. So the free submission option is always there. Patreon allows you to donate, if you will, or support them by doing anywhere from just a few dollars per month. And they give access to exclusive content such as playlists that they've curated just for their patrons in Patreon and blog posts and a lot of questions and answers. There's a lot of great content inside there as well. And it's definitely worth considering if you've seen some support from them, I highly suggest just going in and just doing it. It's the same as buying them a cup of coffee and it might help to keep them running longer and to keep Indie Mono 100% free for everyone else. And they do really good work. I mean, anyone that's submitted to Indie Mono can, can attest to that as well. Now, Indie Mono, obviously, their playlists are on Spotify and Apple Music. And once again, that submission link is on this screen, and you'll be able to catch this in the replay as well. I wanted to put up a quote here just to break it up for a second. Uh, a lot of people have been on social media saying, should we stop releasing music right now? Is, is now a bad time to release music? I mean, look, everyone is still working. Everyone is just working from home. Well, most people are working from home. So I put this on Twitter recently and I didn't really expect as much of a reaction as I did, but a lot of people hit me up about it and said that it's exactly what they needed to hear. And this is true. Now, more than ever, the world needs music. With what's going on, a lot, of, a lot more people are sitting at home streaming music right now. Obviously, some people are streaming Netflix and other things too, but um, music is always going to be a part of our lives. Music is always going to help us through any tough times that we are experiencing. So please, if you're sitting on music right now, now is a great time. Release it. Share it. 
People are out there and they're ready to listen. On to the next curator that I would like to speak about. This is, as I so poorly tried to say before, Christopher Matthias Kronberg Paluden. Now, Christopher, I found by looking into Discovered On, which is the equivalent of in Spotify, you go to any artist's profile. This is in the desktop app that you download onto your computer. You would go to an artist that you like that is similar to you and you would click about. Under that, you would see discovered on and it would show you up to the top five playlists that are delivering the highest number of monthly listeners for that artist. So I did that and I found a number of similar artists were seeing some great support and a great number of monthly listeners from Christopher's playlist. I feel hesitant to admit this, but what I did was I took a screenshot of his Spotify profile picture, uploaded it to Google image search and found a link to his social media profile. Fortunately, his social media profile was public and he was happy to hear from people. I do warn people, if you are looking to do that, be respectful. If it's somebody's personal Facebook, you may want to think twice and look at other options, see if they have a Twitter account that's public or a page that's public or anything else. So anyway, we connected, I reached out, he was happy to hear from me. I basically just said something along the lines of I complimented his playlist, told him what artists I found on there that I liked and asked him if he was open to submissions and if he had a process for submitting music. I didn't send any tracks at that time. I just simply asked if there is a way that I can send him music and if he is open to it. He responded, absolutely, you can send it to me directly here. I sent him one song, our latest song that we felt was the strongest. Uh, within two days, I got a response and he added it to his playlist. Now, his playlist originally had Abercrombie and Fitch in the title. That name has since been changed and it's now that playlist is now known as Your Deep House Spouse which is a really cool name. Uh, and those playlists that he curated, there are rumours that there were some Abercrombie and Fitch stores that may have been playing them, which would explain the large number of Shazam activity that we were seeing at that time when we were on those playlists. So what Christopher has delivered for us, which we're truly grateful for, is 201,000 streams for Date Night on Spotify from his playlists alone. And if you're wondering how you can submit to Christopher now, actually on my website, workhardplaylisthard.com, I have a page called Submit Music. It's workhardplaylisthard.com slash submit if you want to go directly to that page. And there's a link there where you can submit music to Christopher. And what I did to help him to support his growth, what you will need to do is you will need to log in with your Spotify account in turn, it will automatically follow Christopher and his playlist. After that, you'll get to a submission form where you can send him your song. Now, after this, if you don't like his playlist, you can simply go into Spotify and unfollow. But this has been great in helping Christopher to manage his submissions without taking any money. He simply grows his following and you're helping him. And we'd like to hope that you would follow his playlist anyway if, you, if you're hoping to be on it. So as mentioned, Christopher used to curate a playlist that had the title Abercrombie and Fitch, now changed to Your Deep House Spouse. We can see in the description there, 
that he even mentions inspiration from Abercrombie's playlists from 2010 to 2014 and that they may have led to some in-store play. Once again, just a rumour. Christopher also is interesting because he curates some very long playlists, which goes against what a lot of people say. But in this case, if you're looking at a playlist that is for a cafe or, a, or somebody that is studying or things like that, they may actually be looking for a longer playlist because there's nothing worse than pressing play and after two hours having silence or having the radio kick in with similar songs that may not always be as good as that playlist. So, Christopher, this playlist goes for over 15 hours, which is essentially an all-day playlist if it were to be playing in a retail store. The other good thing with Christopher in particular is that he doesn't remove songs quickly. There's songs that have stayed in his playlists for over one year, so they get a significant amount of stream and, in return, a significant amount of new fans for any artist that does get added. Friend activity on Spotify. The reason I wanted to share this is, in once again, in the Spotify app that you download onto your computer, there's an option under the view menu to show friends activity. So this is any user that you're following on Spotify. On the right-hand side, you can see what they're listening to in almost real time. Uh, you can see the song, the artist, and if it's playing from an album or a playlist. What's cool about this is, as you can see on the bottom right corner there, we've got Christopher. We can see his playlist that he is listening to and the song that he's listening to from that playlist. What this has been useful for, for me in particular, is getting an understanding of what that curator listens to, but also seeing what times of day they're most actively listening. So if you're looking to pitch a curator, what you can do is time your pitch to get to them just before they start listening to music. And then hopefully you may see them listening to your song here, which is fantastic. It's even better than getting a read receipt on an email because there's no doubt in your mind that they've listened to your song. I hope you're enjoying this presentation of the power of third-party playlists. Just jumping in here to let you know that I have released my very first online course. This course is on artist profiles and artist tools, and it's setting up artists for success across all of the major DSPs, such as Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, the list goes on. If you'd like to find out more about that, you can go to workhardplaylisthard.com store. Now let's get back into the second part of this presentation, the power of third-party playlists. Tastemakers. It's a little-known fact that when Spotify were in the early stages, they started awarding very strong users with a Tastemaker badge. It's less common now, but some people are still being awarded a Tastemaker badge. So what we can see here on the right-hand side is for Christian Garcia, Instead of it saying user on his profile, it actually says tastemaker. So he's a verified tastemaker. Now, tastemakers were rewarded in the early stages on Spotify uh, because they had strong curation and they were delivering a significant number of listeners and streams. And rumor has it that these tastemakers would influence playlists 
such as fresh finds, where even in the description for fresh finds, sometimes it will say, this comes from a community of tastemakers. Here's your tastemakers. So in search results, I've found that tastemakers, will sh their playlists will show a little higher than other users as well. Now, there's no way to just show all tastemakers on Spotify, and that's probably for a good reason because then everyone would go to them and they would get overwhelmed. But if you come across one of these, they are gold. These are very strong curators. So if you do find a way that you would like to try and approach them, be very respectful, know that there may be a number of other people that have also seen them and are trying to reach them as well. So in this case, I contacted Christian years ago and I remember our first conversation was on LinkedIn of all places and we got chatting very quickly and then we switched over to WhatsApp and he wasn't adding any of our music at the time, but he was a very interesting person and we formed a friendship and I remember Christian actually had a broken laptop. So he couldn't place any music at that time anyway. And I was just happy to speak with him because I was trying to step up my curation game too. And what happened was Christian would mention to anyone that was reaching out to him, his laptop was broken. And they would just say something very short like, okay, cool, bro. Well, when your laptop's fixed, here's a song for you to listen to. Completely disrespectful. It, they may not have been aware of that, but you need to take into consideration that these are real people. They're not getting paid they most of them have day jobs outside of this that's where they make their money so they do this because they love music so respect that respect their curation respect their time give them a little space if somebody you can't send someone a message and uh, just assume that all is always well because sometimes it isn't uh, so just be very careful and considerate when you reach out. That's why I never come straight in with a pitch. I always ask if there's a submission process because in this case, I was told you can send it to me, but right now my laptop's broken. So I didn't send any music. And we've been friends ever since, which is fantastic because that is more important to me. And Christian also has a submission page as well. I set him up once again, like I did for Christopher because I wanted to help him with growing his following. So Christian, anyone could submit, once again, workhardplaylisthard.com. And that leads me to my mini rant that I almost got into before. Hey, bro, hope you're well. Too many emails start with this, and it's gotten to the point where I've had jokes with friends uh, where some of them may be serious, that they've actually put email filters in place that if an email starts with this, it will automatically go to their trash. There's so many reasons why this is not okay. And it may seem friendly, hoping that someone as well is definitely not a negative. But by starting with, hey, bro, not everyone is bro. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you need to address anyone and um, you need to be more safe with your words. So if you don't know the, uh, the gender of the person that you are emailing and you don't know their situation, if they're healthy or what's going on in their life, it's better to just play it safe. Right now with the situation that is going on in the world, the first thing that I do when I send someone an email is I say, look, I hope you are healthy and that you are happy and you are safe during this time. Uh, if you are finding yourself in a position where you are needing any help, please let me know. 
And if you are unable to get to this, I completely understand and I wish you nothing but the best, no need to respond. And that is respectful. Everyone has their own way that they construct an email. So I'm not going to get into a course on constructing emails. There's plenty of people out there that do a great job at that, like my friend Cheryl B. Inglehart, uh, to name one person. Now, a number of artists have come to me and said, hey, Mike, if I sign with this record label, are they going to get me on a bunch of playlists and blow up my monthly listeners and get me a bunch of streams? You know, how, how good are they? How active are they? And I, what I say is you can do some research. And before we get into this, I just want to say, don't sign to a record label to get on playlists. Don't sign to a record label hoping that they're going to blow up your streams. You have to have a great product first. We don't even need to get into that. But what I'm showing you here is let's say you are looking at a record label and you want to know if it is a good home for your music and if you would like to be associated with their other artists. Uh, it's worth going in and listening to their catalogue and seeing if your music will actually suit because uh, otherwise your music's going to an audience of people that aren't really looking for your specific music. So in Spotify, and you can do this in the mobile app like you can see on the right-hand side here, or you can do it in the Spotify app on your desktop as well, what you would type in is label column record plus label plus name. So in this case, what you would do is if it was Universal Music Group, it would be label column universal plus music plus group. The plus is in place of any spaces in the record label name. And then when you press enter, you will see all artists that have released a song on that label. And then what you can do is you can go in there, you can look at those artists, look at their releases, listen to their, listen to their catalog, look at their monthly listeners, see how they're doing. And of course, from there, you can also go to their about page in Spotify and look at their social media. You want to make sure that that record label is a good home for you before you go and sign your music away to them. Uh, when you're researching record labels in Spotify, you can also look at the year-to-date releases as well. So what that would look like is at the end of what I showed you on the previous screen, you would also add after label, column, record plus, label plus name, you would add another column and then you would add year column 2019 or 2020 that would show you all releases on that label in that year so in this case actually we do have it on the screen here we're showing all albums for label brooklyn plus basement column year column 2019 so we can see all releases on that label in that year so you can see if that label's been actively releasing music in the last year and what they're releasing currently in 2020 as well now, this is good for looking at the artwork to get a feel for what kind of artwork they're using for their releases with that label, uh, seeing how many singles they're releasing versus albums. From the label's point of view, it's also really good housekeeping because if you see a song that doesn't actually belong, doesn't actually belong to your label, you'll be able to see that on this screen and you may want to go in, contact your distributor and just make sure that it's not getting confused or in fact, there are two record labels with the same name. That's on you what to do next after that. Talking about the curation side here, and the reason I wanted to touch on this is every artist should have their own playlist that they curate. Obviously, you should have a playlist of all of your original material. There's no doubt about that. Anytime you release a new song, you should put it into that playlist. 
So Date Night have a playlist called Date Night Originals where we put all of our original releases into that playlist. Every time we release a new song, we drop it in there at the top position. After that, we also curate a playlist, as we've seen earlier, called Cafe Chill. And the way that we curate this playlist, I went into the process before. It's like an album. We want it to flow nicely, but we also want to make sure that there's no songs that are overly out of place. So for a cafe, you may not want a liquid drum and bass track to appear in the middle of a bunch of neo-soul tracks. As cool as that may be to some listeners, that may scare off a few other listeners. If you have a look on the right-hand side here, what a lot of people don't realize is when you open a playlist in Spotify, there's no play button. The only button you have is shuffle play. So what happens? A lot of people hit that button because they just want to press play and hear that playlist. And they're now listening to that playlist on shuffle. So you need to plan for a shuffle when you curate. And you need, what that means is press play, press shuffle, listen to that playlist on shuffle, listen to it a few times. Are there any songs that sound wildly out of place? You may want to take those out. Now, the other thing that can happen is people can go to a playlist, scroll down and start playing at any point. So if I go to a playlist, I may scroll down, find a song that I'm familiar with, press play, start listening from that point. Totally fine as well. You just need to keep in mind that every part of your playlist needs to be tight. The first song, the middle songs, the end songs, people are going to shuffle this, they're going to start playing in the middle, they play from anywhere. Now, another thing I want to mention, even though this is a playlist that you've curated as an artist, don't overload it with your own music. If you have a playlist with 50 songs and 35 of those songs are your own songs, people are going to start to catch on to that. And it's, it's just not a good experience for the listener. I mean, yes, they may love your music, but spread it out a bit more. Once again, you've got that separate artist playlist where you have all of your originals on there. Now, another thing that you can do here is there's services where you can have a playlist and you can synchronize that playlist to multiple DSPs. So in my case, I have playlists that are set up on Spotify. They're the master playlists. Anytime I remove a song, change the position of a song, add a new song, that playlist will synchronize with YouTube, Apple Music, Deezer, Kobuz, Napster, and maybe one more that I forgot about right now. But what this does is it gives you so much more value in that when you add a song to your playlist as an artist, it is now showing on that playlist on multiple DSPs. So how cool is this if you approach another artist and you say, hey, just letting you know I really dig your new track. I added it to my playlist. Here's the links to listen to my playlist on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, Napster, Cobuzz, Deezer, etc. All of a sudden, you've given them seven or eight times more value than just saying it's on this one playlist. And that's easy to do. Uh, so there are a number of services out there. I'm always hesitant to ever recommend a service, but I will let you know that for me personally, I've been using soundsgood.co for about four years now. And I've had no issues with them personally. And I've always been able to reach out to the team if I have questions. And it's just made it so much easier because I don't need to add a song in Spotify and then log into Apple Music, add a song, log into Deezer, add a song. I just, dry, I just do all my curation within Spotify and it synchronizes everywhere else. And everyone's different. Everyone uses a different DSP 
to listen to their music. And I wanted to mention this as well, another tweet that I've put out before. This is relating to respecting the curators once again. So a good curator will not add your song just because it is a good song. A good curator will add your song because it is a good fit. Now, what that means is you could have an amazing song that sounds great. It's well-produced, it's well-mastered, it sounds solid, but it's a pop song and you've submitted it to somebody that curates a rock playlist. They shouldn't be expected to add it. And you shouldn't take offense by that. It's still a great song. It's just not a good fit within that playlist. And you're actually doing them a favor by not sending them a song that will not fit their playlist because it's less of their time that you're taking up. But also that curator, when a curator turns down a song that I send them, I respect it so much more because it means that their curation is strong. They don't just add any song and try and find room for every single song, even if they're not a good fit. And that means that more people will listen to that playlist, more people will enjoy it, more people will share it. And the artists that do get added to that playlist will see more listeners and in turn more fans. Now, this is something a little different that I wanted to share. Uh, Obviously, when you are reaching out to curators, you send a lot of emails and a lot of people just get into the habit of copying and pasting and it can look really sloppy and they can make a lot of mistakes. Uh, So what I've got here is templates. And this example is in Gmail. And obviously, you can see me here writing an email to someone I already know, your old buddy, Mike. But what happens is when I'm about to share links to this playlist where I added an artist's song, I go into templates and I've got a template in place. And there's all the links to that playlist on Apple, Deezer, Napster, Cobuzz, Spotify, and YouTube. And I didn't have to type them all every time. I just clicked the button. And way less room for error there. And I still write a personal message at the start of the email. So these templates can be set up within Gmail uh, by going into advanced settings and simply enabling them. These are great when, after you've done the initial outreach to a curator and they come back and they say, hey, yeah, send me the track. I'd love to take a listen. You can send them the links and know that they're correct and save yourself a lot of typing and also copying and pasting where things can go horribly wrong, horribly wrong. And there is another option within, if you have an Apple Mac, you can actually go into keyboard shortcuts within the settings. And what you do is uh, on the left-hand side, you see you put in replace. This is the text that you would type. On the right-hand side is what it would actually paste the second you type that. So. If I wanted to tell someone that check out my playlist, here's a link to all of my playlists, I would type all my playlists with no spaces between it and then it would automatically type this whole long spiel saying, here's a list of all my playlists, here's links to all of them and it saves me writing all of that every single time. These shortcuts are crucial, especially for people working at home right now as well. You can use these in any situation. I wanted to get on to payola as well. I have to address payola and why you should not do it and why there are some very, I don't want this to, uh, if, if your name is 12135891619, I truly apologize if this offends you, but I'm sure that's not your real name. As we can see here, 
this is an example of a playlist that is very misleading. And what we can see is the title is the Moana soundtrack. Now, we know Moana. It's a family-friendly movie, uh, a lot of great sing-along songs in there. I am sure that the notorious B.I.G., Juicy, N.W.A.'s, Express Yourself, 50 Cents in the Club were not featured in the Moana soundtrack. Playlists like this, a lot of people will find they've actually paid to get them. And as a listener, I am not looking for the Moana soundtrack and pressing play on this. Fortunately, I do like the songs that are on here, but it is very misleading. And anyone that is pressing play to this is clearly not listening and it's got to be a robot. Now, Paola is basically paying to have a bunch of machines streaming your music or it's paying a curator to just put your song in their playlist. A lot of interactions I've seen with these curators that just take money for a playlist the scary part is some of them will come straight to you and say, it will, it will cost you X amount of money and I'll put your song in there. They don't even ask for a link to listen to the song, which is insane. They basically have just said, whatever your song is, I don't care. I'm going to put it straight in this playlist and take your money. You can imagine what some of those playlists look like. Some of them will have an entire album of one genre just dropped in the playlist in the middle. No one is listening to these playlists and enjoying them, which means that you are not getting real fans. The other problem with this is, let's say you do go up to 100,000 monthly listeners by getting onto these playlists. The second you are taken off, you go back to zero monthly listeners. You have no fans. You just boosted your numbers briefly and it didn't do anything for you. I know that a lot of us are looking for a shortcut. I can tell you right now that paying to get on a playlist is not a shortcut. It's going to hurt you in the long term. It may even lead to your music getting removed from Spotify and Apple and a lot of these other DSPs. It's just not worth the risk. There's a lot of other things that you can do, as I've showed you in this, and there's a lot of information online. Basically, anytime somebody says to you straight off the bat, give me money to get in this playlist, don't do it. It's not worth the risk. And I want people to know that this is a long-term long-term strategy. None of us are trying to get famous overnight because mostly none of us are ready if we got famous overnight. It, it's a long-term strategy, long-term growth. With each release, we learn from it. We gain some new followers each time. We hold on to them. And over time, our numbers climb, our fans climb, our followers climb. Right now, especially you should just keep releasing that music and keep growing. Uh, if you have 10 songs that you're sitting on right now, go and put one of them out today. Uh, go and put one out in two weeks from now as well. Just start putting that music out so people can enjoy it. The worst thing that can happen is they don't listen to it. And that concludes my workshop that I had created for South by Southwest uh, that has now been taken online. I want you to know that if you go to workhardplaylisthard.com slash SXSW, you will have links to replays of this workshop as well as additional notes. I also wanted to let you know that there is also a link to my book on there. I didn't want this to feel like a sales pitch, but for anybody that is struggling right now and would like some additional information, my book is online at 
workhardplaylisthard.com slash book, you'll see that I've dropped the price to $1 US. This is for the online PDF version. And for anybody that is struggling and um, needs a little boost right now, there is a coupon code there that you can enter where you can get it completely free. And I would love to be able to help in any other way that I can. And I hope that for those of you that are in some tough times right now, you can go to the site, grab a copy of the book, and I hope it brings you some value. And it also will bring you perhaps some new strategies that you can try and additional ways that you can find extra revenue. Right now, I know a lot of you aren't touring as well. So the book is there for you as well. Now, what I'm going to do here is just stop sharing my screen. I wonder if anybody is still actually here. Holy moly. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, wow. So I was going to do a Q&A at the end here. I don't know where to start. Let me have a quick look. Um, thank you so much to everyone that has tuned in. I couldn't see these comments until now. This is amazing. Oh, wow. Okay, let me get some of these up. Debbie. Where can you see the entire replay again? So wherever you're watching this, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can bookmark the URL and you can come back. The replay will be available there in a few hours. Graham, thank you so much for the love. Broke Royals, thank you so much. Melanie, Bill Steely. Let's see. How do you reach playlist curators not mentioned on your website? Okay. So there are a number of resources on there as well. For me personally, what I do is I look at their name. Let's say you're in Spotify and I find them. I look at their profile picture and then I search on social media. I only look for public profiles. If they have a personal profile, respect their privacy. Most people on Twitter are a little more approachable. Um, so I would, firstly, I would search on there. If you can't find them, what you can do is type their playlist name into Twitter or you can actually paste the URL for their playlist into Twitter and it will show you results if anyone has pasted that link before because most of the time curators like to share a link to their own playlist and in turn you find them. Bryn, thank you so much. As I mentioned, the book, yes, it's $1, but anyone that is in a time of need, please, there is you can grab it for free. The coupon code is on the site. It's, it's everywhere. DJ Trotsky, thank you so much. Raiden, wow, thank you so much for tuning in. Ryden absolutely smashing it right now with probably the anthem of the year. Services like Playlist Push. Okay, let me touch on that. So uh, Playlist Push is a paid service where they don't guarantee that they put your music into playlists. What they do is they send your music to a network of third-party curators that have signed up. So you would pay Playlist Push a campaign fee, I don't know, anywhere from, let's say, between $200 and $1,400, depending on the genre and how many curators you would like to reach. From that, they take that money and they pay the curators to listen to your music, write a review, tell you if they're going to add it or why they're not going to add it. So you're basically paying for their time. I always say to anyone, if you're looking for an ROI, uh, a return on investment, don't go with Playlist Push or any of these services right now because you're, if you've never made any money from streaming and you give Playlist Push $500, you're not going to make $500 back. If, you, if, you, if they could guarantee that, it would be payola. And if they could guarantee that, they, they, they could probably charge more. Let's be honest. The reason I tell people about Playlist Push is I know that some people will still go and use one of these services. 
The thing about Playlist Push is they have a real office in Venice Beach. I mean, right now they're working from home. Um, they have real people. They're on LinkedIn. They have real names. Uh, they come to events and conferences. They have a phone number you can call. They have an email you can send emails to. Not everyone is going to be happy with these services, but out of all of the services I've seen, at least there's a way to contact people if you aren't happy. And there's a lot of people that you can ask for their opinion as well. Don't just take my word for it. This is not an endorsement, but I'm also not saying avoid. I'm just saying don't expect to spend $500 and get $500 back. That's not the way that they work. It's all part of that long-term strategy. So if you've made some money from streaming and you would like to try it, that might be the time where you may try one of these services. Let's keep going here. Thank you so much. Ayo Vonte, very, very kind of you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Let's have a look here. Bill Steely, is there a way to make sure you're getting your money from streaming? I got 10,000 streams for one of my songs. Should I expect anything from that modest number? Absolutely. Even if you get 10 streams, there should be some money. I mean, yes, it's in the cents or maybe one cent, but it's still money. Whoever you are using to get your music online, if it's a record label or if you're using a distributor like DistroKid or CD Baby or TuneCore, they will be able to help you with reporting. Sometimes it is delayed. They won't be able to show you how many streams you got today and how much money you've made. Uh, That's because they need to process it. Streams pay differently from different parts of the world. So if you're in Mexico listening to a song versus Australia, uh, the pay per stream is actually different. So there's that, plus, of course, there's free users versus premium users. A free user doesn't pay as much for a stream as a premium user does. Uh, Let's keep going with all of these. Oh, my gosh. Francisco, your music has to already be in platforms for you to pitch it. Correct, besides Spotify for us. Well, that's not completely true. Yes, once your music is live on Spotify, Apple Music, etc., then you can easily send a link to a third-party curator. But if you have just uploaded the release with your distributor and it is your first release and it's coming out on, let's say, Spotify in four weeks, uh, with DistroKid and CD Baby, as I mentioned, they have a fast-track process where you can get access to your Spotify for artists, Apple Music for artists profiles early. Uh, You may need to email their support team and please be respectful of them right now. but there is options with some of these distributors to be able to do that. Let's keep looking at some of this. Okay, Lorenzo, any recommendations on choosing a name or description for a playlist? Keep it fun. Everyone was creating playlists with a genre at one point and it was country music or hip hop. And all of, the, all of them look the same in search results. Uh, There's some pretty funny playlist names out there and I wish I could remember some of the ones that come to mind right now. Some of them are probably not best to be said on this uh, this platform right now. But my advice is if you want to have some fun, you can paste an emoji into the search bar, search by an emoji, um, which gets some interesting ones if you do an eggplant. And uh, you can also search by various words. So if you're looking for drunk wedding music, there's going to be a lot of playlists that you can listen to. Uh, Right now, of course, there's a lot of people who are doing playlists about people being home quarantined uh, as well to keep them company. 
going to keep scrolling up here. I'm trying to see some of the earlier comments as well. DPG Worldwide, appreciate you. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Andrea at DPG Worldwide. We are we are set to do a workshop at Music Biz in Nashville in May. So looking forward to that very much. Graham Havens, thank you so much for tuning in. And I don't know what you were laughing at there, but I'm I'm glad you found me funny. I try and be funny. Knight Rider, thank you so much. Let me have more of, oh, this is a great one here as well. Uh, good point here from Dana. Always listen to the playlist before you submit. It's insane that the amount of artists that don't do this. Absolutely true. Uh, the amount of people that will send a song to a curator without even listening to their playlist. Don't just go off the title. Don't just go off the description. Press play on that playlist. Listen to a few songs and then cue your song up next. Does it fit or does it sound really out of place? If it does, spare that curator an email or a DM and wait till maybe you have a song that's a better fit. The, the first submission, it's so important that you send them something that's right because you're gaining their trust. If you send them a song that fits within their curation, it's a song that they're looking for, then they're going to look forward to that next email from you. But if you send them something completely off genre that is not going to fit their playlist, that might be the last opportunity you get. So definitely listen before sending. Absolutely. Uh, John Clark, anyone else find any other good curators with Patreon pages? Uh, you mentioned Clang Spot and Spin Gray. I am familiar with Spin Gray and they are similar to Indie Mono that they've been doing this for a long time. And to support their efforts, they do have a Patreon as well, uh, where it can be anywhere from a few dollars to a little more and they give you access to extra content. Some people may find that they are able to have access to a priority submission by supporting them. Now, don't look at this as payola. It doesn't mean that they're guaranteeing they're going to add your song. It just means that because you've slipped them $5, the equivalent of buying them a cup of coffee, that they may listen to your song in the next 48 hours instead of in the next week. So similar to what Submit Hub do where you can pay, I think it's a few dollars to submit a song and have a guaranteed response within 48 hours or you get the money back. In this case, you just slip them the money in the Patreon and do the submission. Let me keep going up here. Erica, yep, I had to include the bro part. Not everyone is a bro. Uh, you need to, absolutely, let's see. Joey, thank you so much. Joey and I have been in touch for years. Wow, still killing it out there, Joey. Love your work. Afro Beta, what does streaming link mean on your site? I'm going to assume that that is referring to the streaming link where you would link someone directly to your track. So if you were saying, hey, everyone, go listen to my song right now on Deezer, you would include a link, that a URL that opens that link within Deezer. I see Playlist Busher jumping in here and shouting people out. Uh, Thomas Garcia, thank you so much. Let's see what else we've got up here. Rushdie Williams, I say, don't just release music. Release playlists with your music in it. Absolutely. And what that could look like is, as I mentioned, those artist playlists where you include all of your original music and you own that playlist. Uh, you look at some of these artists out there, Iggy Azalea, uh, millions of followers, has a playlist with all of, her, all of her original music on there. Every time she has a new track, she just drops it in that playlist, shares that playlist. The good thing about that 
is instead of just sharing the track and sharing that playlist, people press play, listen to that song, and they may leave that playlist running, which could play for the rest of your back catalogue in that playlist. So instead of just streaming your new song once, they could stream your new song and then leave it playing and stream your entire back catalogue, which could be 15 songs long. So you've now got 15 streams instead of one. Smart. Going to keep going up here. Mike Steer. Curate a broadened electric array of music for the resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico. That sounds amazing. I'd love to check that out. If you can post a, a link to that, I'll take a look after this. Absolutely. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Let's keep going. Just looking for any more questions that I can jump onto here as well. Okay. Interesting one from Tommy. So Tommy says, I find that submitting to editorial is a vacuum, that it feels like a way for Spotify to simply mitigate people emailing their staff directly. Well, yeah. I mean, could you imagine how many emails Spotify staff would be getting? It would be impossible to get to all of those emails. What I like about the submission process in Spotify for artists is that you, it's really on you to actually follow those steps. Uh, they've made it very clear. You need to submit your song at least seven days prior. If you do that, it's guaranteed to go into release radar as long as it's a new release for the first time and it's not a remix. And that will go into release radar for all of your followers. So if you have 100 followers, that's 100 release radars. By submitting at least seven days prior, you also get to tag the song and fill out your submission for editorial consideration. So you can tag the song with mood, genre, instruments used, background, uh, the vocals, everything. And what that does is it gets the song to the right person within Spotify. By taking these extra steps and spending just a few minutes, you might actually have the right person within Spotify hear your song instead of just being broad and saying, this is a pop song. You know, think about how many pop songs they get every day. This arguably the number I saw the other day was over 40,000 songs per day going on Spotify in the US alone. I can guarantee you there's not 40,000 people submitting their music in Spotify for artists for editorial consideration. And they're also not taking the time to add those extra mood, genre tags, et cetera. And I've said to so many people, they say, oh, is it really worth doing? And I go, well, we've done it for four releases and two of them got editorial support. I say it is. Let's keep going here. And even if you don't get edis editorial support, you're still going to get release radar. So it's still worth doing regardless. And you're feeding the algorithm. You are telling Spotify exactly where your song would be placed um, as well. Let's keep going. Andrew, what's up, man? Good to see you on here. Sue, thank you so much. That's very kind. Uh, Sue was actually one of the people that helped me out a lot with the book as well. Not going to start shouting everyone out right now, otherwise we'll be here all day. But um, Sue, thank you so much for your help. Sacramento. Bruce, send me a replay link. Uh, so the replay link, once again, is going to be, you know what, I could probably just do this. Uh, let's see. No, you know what? That's too crazy. Uh, so the replay link is workhardplaylisthard.com slash SXSW. Or if you just go to workhardplaylisthard.com, it's there at the top of the screen. And wherever you're watching this right now, you can bookmark it and come back and watch the replay too. Jake Truman, what up? Tommy Spiro, Dana, this is amazing. 
It's amazing. Okay, let's see if there's any last questions that have jumped in here now. Okay, very cool. Uh, so Graham Havens, are artists releasing an album a year now or singles more? Do singles yield better results, EP or LP? That's a great question. So my opinion is releasing singles and an album and an EP. And the reason for that is that every song will have its own opportunity to shine. So if you have 10 songs that you're sitting on right now, release one, submit that to editorial, get it into release radar, get some new followers as a result. And then what happens is four weeks from now, two weeks from now, even release a second song and then keep going. And then you grow with each song, you grow your followers. Every song has an opportunity at editorial placement this way. Every song will get into release radar. And then by the time the album comes around, the album could be 15 songs long, so there may be five songs that you haven't released before. When you go and upload the album to your distributor, if you use the existing ISRC that is attached to each song, you can include those previous release songs on your album. And then I outline this in my book as well, but uh, what happens is the day that your album comes out, people will look at the 15 songs and they'll see that some songs already have stream counts of 10, 20, 5,000, 100,000. And those stream counts have been building up over those months from the single versions of that song and it combines all those streams together. Uh, so it's really hard to sort of explain this, but there is a visual side of it in the book there as well, which I know you already have a copy of, Graham. All right, we're going crazy on the tweeting. I love it. Thank you so much. I, I want to say Vonte, but Ayo Vonte, uh, to say your username. Thank you so much. What do I think of playlist pitching services like SubmitHub? Look, SubmitHub has worked great for me and other people. Uh, SubmitHub is a very cheap uh, way to get started as well. Uh, you can submit to a lot of the blogs and curators and YouTube channels for free. So there's not really any risk involved other than your time. And you can spend a few dollars to make sure that they actually listen within, I think it's 48 hours. And if they don't, you get some of that money back in the form of a credit so that you can submit to someone else. So if you're wanting to spend a minimal amount of money or you don't have any money to spend right now, Submit Hub is a great place to start. Absolutely. Let me take a look here. Any advice for smaller curators, helpful sites? Look, my advice for curators, whatever stage you're at, however many followers you have, when you add an artist to your playlist, you need to tell them. You need to email them or tweet them and just, you don't even need to ask for anything. If you're not comfortable, just tell them. Because what you'll find is if you have a playlist with 100 songs and you add 90 different artists to it and you send them all a tweet or an email, some of them will actually share it. And uh, even Instagram stories, swipe ups with a link directly to the playlist. You need to tell people instead of just telling people to follow your playlist or go and listen to your playlist, tell the people that are on it because they're more likely to tell their audience and bring you more followers and more listeners. Jordan Paul, best method includes reaching out to curators and following up consistently. Absolutely. And you know, respecting, respecting their time and um, there's nothing wrong with a follow-up. There, there is a problem if you have 10 follow-ups because if they have seen your song and they haven't responded uh, for whatever reason, whatever's going on, on their end, which you're not aware of, they see 10 more emails from you, 
that can be a bit of a buzzkill. It's kind of like if you were to go on a date with somebody and wake up to 10 texts the next morning. So <laughs> spread, spread it out, basically. Be patient because a, a lot of these curators have day jobs. They do this in their spare time. They do it for the love. That's about all the time I have here for today. But what I'm going to do, because I can see there's going to be more questions after this, some people will be catching the replay as well. What I'm going to do is I will be monitoring the comments on here. And let me just put up a link to the replay and then get a few last minute things in here as well. So, as I mentioned, for anybody that is interested, my book is available paperback, hardcover, Kindle. But if you are looking for a copy and you're happy with PDF version that you can read on your device or your computer, it is $1 US right now. And if you go to that link on the screen, there is a coupon code. So if anybody is having a, experiencing some tough times right now with the current situation, there is a coupon code so you can get the book absolutely free. You just put that in at checkout and the price will drop from $1 to zero. Now, as for other other things that I've done as well that maybe have, maybe have helped you, I do have a podcast that you can listen to on your favorite podcast service. It is the Streamline podcast. Instead of putting a link to that, uh, it's probably easier to just type in Streamline podcast by Mike Warner into your favorite podcast listening platform, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, etc. Lastly, the replay for this and a bunch of other information, blog posts, links to the book, links to the podcast, links to previous live streams, uh, links to social media. It's all at workhardplaylistheart.com. You can go and get it all there. And uh, I'm going to log off right now. And for anybody that is wanting the replay, bookmark whatever you're watching this on right now, whether it's LinkedIn, Twitch, YouTube, uh, Periscope, Twitter. And you'll be able to come back and watch the replay shortly. Thank you so much to everyone that tuned in. I hope that wherever you are right now, you're safe, you're healthy. It's uh, quite unpredictable what's going on right now, but the world needs music. And just keep sharing that love. Look out for each other. Uh, maybe check on your neighbor. Just help each other out and take care. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you in the comments.